of the driving things you were talking about in our class was that you were uh, really out there because you wanted to also support your your son mm-hmm. and his operation. And I guess yeah. you both hooked into CW, but I'm sure that it's a lot more than that. You know? Yeah, yeah. The um, <clears throat> he he did uh, he did finish uh, CW Academy level two, um, though he's not he's not really active. Morse code, although he he sits down at the paddle and he just sends perfect code, which frustrates me to no end. <laughs> I think he he makes fewer mistakes than I well, do. But see, uh, now that now you know how we felt in class with you. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Hamdom Thoughts, a podcast about ham radio, electronics, software, and tinkering. I'm your host, Dennis, FCC licensed amateur radio operator, call sign 86DM. Today I have with me Ryan, call sign NN7M, a former CW Ops classmate of mine and a very active ham. I constantly get ham alerts about Ryan's activating or operating somewhere. Ryan was the guy in class who showed real initiative and progress, challenging me indirectly to do better in my CW learning. Since then, Ryan's gone to new heights, and we'll be talking about that today. Stay tuned. Ryan, it's great to see you again. How you doing? Great. How are you doing, Adam? Adam. <laughs> People do that a lot. <laughs> AD60M comes across as Adam. Sorry. Yeah, it does. I was just, I was just reading that. Did we start over? <laughs> no, we'll keep that in there. A lot of people call oh. me Adam, actually. Dennis, um, I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. Um, it's uh, mid or mid September when we're recording this, uh, mid late September, and uh, the air has cleared up quite a bit. But I heard that we sent a lot of that your way recently. How's the air quality out there? Well, today it's great. It's a lot better. We've had a couple of big rainstorms in the last uh, couple of days, and the air cleaned up from that. We have our own forest fires, not just yours, but. Yeah, forest fires from uh, Washington, Oregon, and California, and uh, it all kind of set in here for a week and a half or so. It made the air quality pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. Where Where are you again? What part of Washington? I'm in uh, Seattle, Washington. Oh, so you're I'm actually a, up there in by the, the southwest part of Seattle, in a place called West Seattle, okay. and uh, so we're right on the Puget Sound. Okay. Um, though I couldn't see it. <laughs> while yeah. the smoke was here. Yeah, this is something that's kind of got me down uh, these past few days, uh, just thinking about how this is a yearly thing now. It used to be unusual, but now it's almost like I need to expect that several months out of the year, starting in the summer, we're going to have to contend with fires these days. 
and this this level. I know we're taking a bit of a tangent here even before <laughs> the introduction, but I just I wanted to to talk about that a little bit. What are you feelings on that? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, the fires, uh, you know, it's been a couple of years since we've had a bad one, but we had uh, uh, Seattle had the worst air conditions in the whole world a few summers ago for a week or so. And that's, uh, you know, it's alarming. It uh, is not um, something that I remember having a lot of. I, I remember hearing about forest fires when I was young. I grew up in in the Portland area, Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. And forest fires were, you know, they were something that you heard about, but it didn't choke up the air like it does now. Yeah. Uh, my, my family in, in Oregon uh, had to evacuate. You know, they live in kind of between Portland and Salem, oh, and wow. uh, they had to leave home because the air quality was so bad from fires. And, uh, you know, it's it's just something that we're planning for in the future, unfortunately, ways to kind of in an emergency way, uh, clean the air within your house and, um, you know, provide ways to sort of hunker down and uh, get ready to go if you have to. Yeah. Are you in a a heavily wooded area or not really? Uh, Where I live, no. Um, You know, I'm I'm, uh, in kind of um, the kind of dense part of Seattle and, uh, but we have, you know, to the east of me are the Cascade Mountains and, you know, all of all of Western Washington is pretty wooded. Um, but I'm I'm in more of a kind of urban neighborhood setting here. Mm-hmm. Well, let, let me switch gears. I'm sorry about pulling you away from your salmon run CUSO party. Uh, this is the kind of the only time that we could meet up uh, today. But, oh, that's OK. Um, I, I apologize for <laughs> calling you Adam. <laughs> no problem. And yeah, I wanted to talk to you today just to get your perspective um, as a very active CW operator and even a, a teacher of CW. Uh, mm-hmm. So why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, your interests in ham radio and, um, you know, how you got started in all this? Sure. Um, I became a ham radio operator in 2014. Um, took a, a test down at the Tacoma Amateur Radio Club. I forget the name of the of the club, but uh, drove down there and uh, took my test and became a, a technician. Um, I had always wanted to become a ham radio operator since um, middle school, but never. I thought I had to pass a code test. You know, mm-hmm. was was really the big barrier, and that just seemed like something that you had to know already. It you know it it wasn't something that could be learned, and so mm-hmm. I just. I just kind of put it on the back burner until uh, 2000, probably 13, 2014, early when, um, you know, thinking about natural disasters, I I was drawn like a lot of people are to the emergency preparedness part of the hobby and um, wanted to be able to communicate with my family in the event of a natural disaster. We have earthquakes here, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and there, there's other reasons that uh, I may not be able to get home and check on my family. I, I, I don't trust that the cellular system or, or phones are, are going to work in times of crisis. And that was enough motivation uh, at that time for me to finally study and, and get my license. So uh, once I got 
licensed. Um, then the next goal was to get somebody else in my family. You know, I've got, uh, um, my wife, Katie and, and my two boys, uh, Emmett and Leon. And, uh, so I, I started working on all of them before, uh, before I got my license. And shortly after, um, I got licensed, Emmett, uh, earned his call sign, uh, KG seven W O T. And, uh, so uh-huh. that kind of made it so we could start testing and learning and preparing together. Um, and started learning, you know, we've got a pretty good repeater network here in, in Seattle area. And, uh, from almost anywhere, uh, I'm able to talk with, uh, with home. So that was, uh, that's kind of what started the hobby. Wow. For me. That is great. Having another family member as a ham, that's, uh, something that I've always dreamed of, but I don't know <laughs> if it's going to happen on this side. Well, in, in our house where I'm, you know, lucky that we just kept working on them and all, all four of us are, are licensed now. So oh, that's excellent. Katie's, Katie's a general and uh, both boys both got their technician licenses at age of 11. So all four of us are, are operators. Wow. So do you, as a family practice, different scenarios, different preparedness scenarios or communications with different modes? We do not, as a family, not as much in an emergency sense, but when uh, we're pretty active um, in the outdoors, we, we enjoy camping. We have a travel trailer that we take out as often as we can. Um, so while we're uh, camping mostly or skiing or something like that, um, we've all got our HTs with us and we have a plan uh, as to you know how to make contact in that. So uh, when we get to a camping area that's pretty rural, you know, we kind of, um, prepare in a way that will not rely on cellular service, even though we may have it, mm-hmm. um, that we have a plan that we can always communicate with each other. Wow. And that's not a perfect thing, but it's something that we strive for. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So we were CW ops, um, CW Academy classmates for the level two class. Yes, we were. And I think Rob, our teacher, K6RB, was pushing us to listen at around 25, 22 to 25 words per minute. And just pulling the curtain away a little bit for that, a lot of the success in that class for me was the homework. It wasn't necessarily the actual class. Right. I, I had to stick to the homework, which was using Morse Runner and Rough ZXP applications and just really power through those. There was also the listening exercises, which were, I'd have to go through at least twice, but typically a lot more just to get the words for those exercises. But each of those things, I think, is really what what helped me in that class. Uh, why don't you tell us about your experience in, in that scenario, not... Not the later ones yet, <laughs> but with <laughs> yeah, us. So we had, uh, um, well, first off with our instructor, um, Rob K6RB, just an outstanding instructor. Great ham, yes. great person to know. Definitely. Uh, like everybody that I've kind of ran into, especially with the uh, CW Academy instructors, um, has been my experience. And, uh, we had a great class. It really fits well together. So for, for those who don't know, CW Academy is uh, run by the C- CW Ops Club, and it's meant as a, a way to improve your Morse code abilities, both sending and receiving. 
and so we had uh, uh, we meet on Zoom, right? We met on Zoom at that time. Yes, it was like a pioneering um, Zoom. I, I think yeah. before that we were on. I I took level one on Skype. I did too, I, and. Yeah. And Rob was like, let's try out this new way, this Zoom thing. Uh, and we were having technical difficulties and right. getting our getting our beeps to register on the microphones and all that kind of stuff. It's it's tougher than you'd think <laughs> to yeah. make that all work. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so we, we meet um, twice a week for an hour each session. So two hours a week on uh, Zoom. And it's a it's a classroom, and it's great. Um, it's a great way to to meet other hams. It's a great way to have the camaraderie of uh, learning together and struggling together. So we'd uh, get on there and you know meet up and um, you know just have a great time. Yeah. And uh, now, well, you went on to take level three, yes, which uh, both I and Dan, AI6XG, your classmates, have not yet done, but we are, he challenged me to do it, so it will happen. Sign up. (laughs) So you were, you took that, and I was like, all right, gung-ho, and then after that, I I just kind of passively learned on Twitter that you were someone's instructor for CW Ops. I forget who it was. I think it may have been, uh, it's slipping my mind right now, but... I was just like, wait a second, he's an instructor now? What's going on here? <laughs> so I was, uh, I was just effusive on Twitter. I was like, I can't, this is amazing that, that you are now teaching everyone else in the same great organization where we had sharpened our skills. So yeah. can you say a little bit about that and how you sure. made your journey towards or through three passing that and then becoming a, a member than an instructor. Yeah. Well, you know, it, Rob is tricky. Uh, you know, along with your welcome to level three, uh, he's also encouraging those who are interested in it to become an instructor for, for the, you know, for the beginning levels and um, kind of get as, as a way to give back. And I, I feel, felt strongly, feel strongly about that, that, um, you know, somebody else took the time to, teach me or help me and you know you're kind of self-guided learning of morse code and uh, a way to to thank the organization back for that is to become an instructor and uh, that is something that I was interested in doing and had the ability to do um, so I signed up and uh, you know it was uh, it's all new and I, I do not and did not and still don't pretend to be the finest CW operator in the world. I make plenty of mistakes, average or more than, than most. And, um, but what it's about is learning how to communicate using Morse code. And uh, it's not about perfection. And that's one of the things that's, that's really drawn me to CW is that it's something that, that we make the code. And I'm, when I'm sending, I'm sending to a person, you know, so you and I, Dennis, have had QSOs from yeah. our shacks and um that's kind of the the great thing about it is that i'm not perfect you're not perfect but we still communicate you know using morse code and that that's really what it's about for me so that that took i guess a, a little bit of courage and self-convincing that you know you don't have to be perfect to be an instructor so that that's kind of what mm-hmm. sealed the deal for me so i signed up and uh, and really enjoy it i i hope 
I hope I've helped, you know, some folks continue their journey starting and, and learning the code. Yeah. A lot of hams are engineers. And so striving for perfection is kind of in the job itself. And if you don't get it hundred percent right, then it's not going to work in, mm -hmm. in most engineering endeavors, mm -hmm. but CW is, is learning how to let go of those mistakes. That's, I think that's the hardest le lesson for me in mm -hmm. CW is just, I'm following along and then I get stuck on a word or a letter mm -hmm. and I don't let it go. And then I lose the rest of the message. Yeah. Or if I start letting things go, even so I'll miss like half of a word while listening. And then I'll be thinking, what could that word be? And missing the rest of the message. Right. 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 So how, how did you kind of get over that? And I know that it's something that it just takes a lot, a lot of practice at which I need to do more, but yeah. what are some tips that you have for, for just letting go of what's passing by? It's this ephemeral stream of characters yeah. that you just need to kind of like, Oh, I missed that. Got to keep staying present just, here. Right. And you, you just have to let it go. And that that's hard. You know, it's hard for me. It's hard. I, I don't know anybody that that's easy for them to let something pass by and just be okay with the fact that you missed it, you know? And uh, the great thing about, you know, your, I guess your brain and, and Morse code is that sometimes, even though you think you've missed the character, your head caught it and it'll feed it back to you a little bit later on. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a, a technique that I learned about called uh, copying from behind. And um, oh, okay. sometimes, sometimes that word that you, th you think let go or, or you did finally let go of it, 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 uh, it completes a sentence for you later on. Mm -hmm. And, um, so you just, you just have to kind of trust that, um, that you're going to get it or you didn't. And you, and you send the, the question mark yep. and, and then the person on the other end will send it again. Yeah, exactly. So you just, uh, yeah, perfection's a, a hard thing. Um, you know, in Morse code, you're, you're getting the gist of the conversation and sometimes that's enough. Um, yeah. So, and, and then make that a goal to improve that, that part of your CW. Yeah. So you're pretty active on summits on the air as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not, I, I really like it. I really like summits on the air. It's not, um, it's not the only thing I, I do in, in Morse code or CW, you know, but, uh, I would like to do more of it, but I, I'm happy with what I get to do now. Mm -hmm. And you have a lot of peaks out there as well. I know that California is kind of infamous for being soda centric, mm -hmm. uh, at least among the hams that I know. Uh, but there are definitely a lot of great peaks out there. I know that Rex, uh, KE six MT, mm -hmm. his dream is to activate Mount Rainier. Yeah. And, um, so just tell us about that. How did you get into summits on the air? You know, I, I, I don't remember exactly where I learned about summits on the air. Honestly, it, it may have been YouTube or, um, some other, some other mode. Um, and I, I remember watching some videos made by Steve, uh, WG zero AT mm -hmm. and, um, just being fascinated by the ability to, um, you know, hike or climb to the top of a mountain. Of course, he had 
has um, really fun, interesting videos with all these goats and yes. you know, all this <laughs> stuff, just the, this party that's going on on the way up mm-hmm. on the summit and down. And, and that was something that I uh, have been drawn to is just such a great motivator. Um, so that's probably how I learned about summits on the air and uh, understanding that the best ability to make contacts with the lightest gear is by using Morse code. And that, that is definitely true mm-hmm. um, from my experience. So, so that's probably how it started. And you, you know, you're right. We've got a lot of great peaks summits in the state of Washington, both at low elevations and high elevations. One of my goals someday is to climb Mount Rainier. I've not done that before. I've never done any mountaineering of any kind, but that, you know, may be enough to lure me in to get enough training to do that, that kind of summit safely. Mm -hmm. What's the elevation? I, I can't recall it. I know it's definitely a 10 pointer. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know what the elevation is of Rainier. It's pretty tall. I know when you get close to it, um, we've had a few summits this summer that we hiked to that where Mount Rainier is staring you right in the face, you know, and it's, (laughs) it's gigantic (laughs) and very tall. It's intimidating. Yeah. So could you share some of your proudest soda successes or any epic failures? Oh, there are failures. There's plenty of those. All um, uh, comes to mind uh, for, for best summits um, probably has been um, uh, Hex Mountain. Um, I think without a doubt, my, my favorite memories and best summits are when I'm climbing with uh, or hiking with family mm-hmm. and uh, Emmett is um, comes along with me on most of the summits. And uh, well, of course, once we get up there, he's really not interested in ham radio at that time. He, he's a teenager, <laughs> so he likes to yeah. nap. Uh-huh. Um, but it's so great having him there with me. And, uh, you know, we get great pictures at the top and great memories of the hike up and down. Um, so Hex Mountain was a, an outstanding one. We brought the dogs and um, and it was Emmett and I, so that was great. Uh, we also, he and I summited uh, Tiffany Mountain this summer, which is one of Washington's 10-pointers. Oh, okay. And um, it's accessible, you know, it's doable without mountaineering gear. So it's just a hard hike. Um, mm-hmm. And he and I did that this summer on a, a family trip. So that was um, one of a couple of my highest points there. Also, um, Crystal Mountain is a ski area here that uh, we, we took a family trip up, um, rode the gondola up and hiked from there. It was a tough hike, um, mm-hmm. but it's kind of on the border between Mount Rainier National Park and the Forest Service land that the ski area is on. So we had to kind of navigate a, a trail that we sort of made, sort of followed from game trail and got to the top of that. Uh, so that was a, out, some outstanding memories. But there's definitely failures. You know, there's uh, three or four summits that um, that I didn't make it to the top of or did and, and wasn't on HF yet. So th- mm-hmm. if there's no hams in in range on two meters uh, you know then then you don't you don't get the summit yeah. <laughs> you know you, yeah. you did the hike but you don't get the points so uh that that was a, a motivator for me to get into hf and and continue the the morse code journey yeah speaking of which are, are there any other modes that you like to use not even just for soda but you know are there other modes um i'm thinking digital or maybe doing phone type uh, uh contesting or anything like that 
Well, you know, to be honest, since learning CW like that, that is my main focus. It's just so enjoyable for me to kind of get in that mode where you're you're just communicating in that way. So kind of the the original digital mode is is my favorite uh, over other bands. But I, I like talking to people that I know. I, I'm not crazy about sideband like contesting or uh, summits on the air just because it's it's CW is just more interesting to me and more fun. But kind of my first digital mode that I really started to enjoy was APRS uh, as oh, a yeah. technician. And um, mm-hmm. I still, you know, I'm running a, a Raspberry Pi station right now for APRS that's uh, that's hooked up to my first HT, my first Baofeng. So, mm-hmm. uh, so it's like a digipeter now. that you have set up there? Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a little little fill-in digipeter uh, nice. in a little hole, hole that is created on on uh, in this area. But we've got a great APRS network here in the Seattle area. And um, so that's fun. I like passing text messages and messages to other hams. And, um, you know, so that's that's really a very useful and fun mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, up and coming is, uh, for me, is probably RTTY. Uh, I'd like to earn Worked All States Award on uh, using RTTY. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that, that I don't. I don't quite have all that together yet, but that's that's on the list. Yeah, I have been very minimally successful using Ready. I have not actually had a like a what I would call a successful contest in it. I'd probably get like two or three, and I I just don't have the macro setup. You know, you have your application. You sure. have to be able to quickly get the person's call and then just run this thing where you're responding with their signal and all that. And mm-hmm. I, I just haven't spent the time to get that all set up right. So just today I saw on Twitter that uh, Eric K0EAP was calling CQ Riddy. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he finally got someone to call back. And he's like, yeah, this is really cool. And I, I thought that uh, you're going to be calling for a long time if you're calling CQ and Riddy during a, a non-contesting <laughs> period. I never really hear it on the band. No, I, I, my impression is it's a contest type mode. I don't know that, that folks really kind of ragged you using Riddy. Um, but yeah. um, it is, there's a lot of Riddy contests and um, that's interesting to me. So that, that I would, you're, you're ahead of me on the game. I've called CQ a couple of times and I was frankly terrified. <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do if somebody <laughs> called me back. Like, oh, whoo, what a relief. You know, I said, I, I made it to the Revis Beacon Network. Yeah. Uh, to the RBN uh, using Ritty. Um But thank goodness nobody called me back because I, I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, that's true for me too. When I first started out, I it was during a contest and I was like, what's all this activity? And then I turned on FL Digi and started translating. I was like, oh, I noticed the call was CQ test call sign CQ. Mm-hmm. And that made absolutely no sense to me because... I, I'd never seen that format, so I had no idea. So I just tried calling out my my call sign, mm-hmm. and then I got, you know, my call sign five nine nine. I forget what else, and I didn't know what to respond. I didn't know like I sent like the whole you are five nine nine thank mm-hmm. thank you, you know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> like a CW exchange. Yeah, and uh, I guess I, I read later. I think it was maybe for. Um, ready roundup or something like that, that that was completely an incorrect response. I mean, they gave the information, but it was like way too long for what they were looking for. <laughs> yeah. Not, not the correct, um, 
<laughs> contest exchange. Well, so, fortunately for yeah. me, you know, Elmering is a huge part of the hobby. And I've got a couple of really terrific, gritty Elmers that I that when it's time and I kind of get my technical problems worked out here, um, I'll get some help with that. So that that's exciting. Yeah, that's but cool. uh, yeah, my 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 technical problem here is I I use a Mac and I have FL Digi, which runs RTTY great, but getting it to communicate with my logging software is that's a hurdle I need to cross. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just a lot of handwork. Yeah. Type, Speaking in. of which, uh, tell us about your favorite gear. I mean, what do you take out most often and what do you have at home? Sure. Well, my my portable station is uh, kind of built around the KX2. I just think that's a fabulous little tiny uh, transceiver. And uh, I have a mountain topper that I bought to make a small backpacking kit. And I it just receives great but every time i take it with me i also have the kx2 there so i the kx2 just ends up on my lap you know or <laughs> in the operating position i haven't it's come along but it hasn't been used yet um but the kx2 just kind of does it all and then i have kind of a variety of portable antennas that i use one of course is uh the one from the great youtube videos from adam k6ark oh yeah i built his uh end fed half wave trapped half wave oh trapped, nice yeah trapped half wave and they so were great you got those little toroid traps on it as well and got 2040 going uh, i didn't build his i i i built mine in between uh when he had built the the what the little ballon that yes. fits on the tnc or um i'm sorry the bnc, the BNC. connector yeah and then i had already some kits from soda beams the QRP traps. Oh, so okay. I kind of finished the, my antenna before he showed me, you know, on YouTube, those tiny little traps that he's built. So, yeah. Um, but that's a great antenna. I got my, honestly, my first DX from a soda summit using that antenna. So wow. it worked and it, it works great. Where was the DX? Uh, it was New Zealand. Oh, wow. So yeah. clear across the world. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Long ways away. I was so excited. That was wow. just this summer. Um, and then uh, I also enjoy just operating from the campsite. You know, we have a, a travel trailer that, that we use um, quite a bit whenever possible. And I like operating from the campsite also. So, you know, I've got a variety of uh, antennas. Wolf River Coils is one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, and then also that the Soda Beams Link Dipole 203040. And I added uh, 80 meter section to it. So I can use that from summits or the beach or the campground. That sounds yeah. like a lot of wire, 80 meters portable. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool. It's uh, I've done 80 meters, uh, 80 meter inverted V dipole on soda summits and had pretty good luck with it. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, that's true. Now that I think in retrospect, I have you on ham alert and I see a lot of the three, five <laughs> megahertz area. Yeah. When you call yeah. out. And I think one of our contacts may have been on 80 meters once. Probably. Yeah, we've, we've yeah. had quite a few. Whenever I uh, see you on there, I, I'm like, oh, better power on the, the flex here. Try to get them. Yeah. Normally I hear the Northwest pretty well, uh -huh. but as of late, my attempts to get you have been foiled for some reason. Got to mm. raise my antenna higher, I think. 
we'll keep trying. Yeah. Uh, anything that you're working on, like project-wise, anything you're building or have planned for soon? Um, planned for soon, I, I always have kind of a, a whiteboard in my head of projects that I'd like to work on. And, and it seems to, I add projects faster than I complete them. Um, but uh, I think that's perfectly normal. <laughs> normal and encouraged keeps us sane. Um, I have a 3D printer that I'm that I'm learning how to use. I've, I got it for Christmas a couple of years ago, and uh, that's been a lot of fun. My oh, success cool. rate is getting better. Um, I'd like to. I built a couple of paddles that uh, um, that actually the one of them that I built. I use portable. That's mm -hmm. my primary paddle, and it works great. Um, so I'd like to improve a design there, you know, just gadgety things. My Raspberry Pi is sitting on a, a plate that, uh, that I 3d printed. Mm -hmm. um, what kind so of printer is it? What model? It is, a um, Ender three pro. Okay. Ender three pro. That's the same one I have. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it seems to be a popular one and, um, it worked. I, I really like it. Yeah. I love it. I actually have to do a little bit maintenance on mine because yeah. I, I printed a pretty big case recently and I think I messed up the nozzle. So I just need to swap out the nozzle and I'm just too lazy to do it. <laughs> swap out. You need to upgrade. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been great. Um, the funny thing about 3d printing is you spend the first two or three weeks just printing parts for your 3d printer. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Those are my first projects. And then from there you start discovering, oh, okay, I can actually make this guy ring or this, this isolator or <laughs> this or that case. Like the, the Raspberry Pi 4 I have right here, I couldn't find a suitable case for it. And so I just went on Thingiverse and I was like, okay, that's exactly what I'm looking for right there. And I just right. printed that up and that's there's what already, it there's now. There's already a dozen of them there to choose from. Yeah, yeah. So, um, kind of a switch in topics here. How has COVID and the shutdown affected your ham radio operation? Well, initially, you know, in, in back in March, nobody was going anywhere, especially up here in the Northwest. And so that, um, that kind of gave us, gave everybody a lot more at home time. So, you know, I, I have a station here at home that I like to operate from. So I just spent a lot of time here operating from home. And I noticed that there's a lot more people on the contest. Um, you know, contesting isn't a number one focus for me, but I do enjoy it. And so I think I noticed, uh, you know, there were a lot of stay, stay at home, stay safe type special event stations going on in Europe. So that mm -hmm. kind of opened up an opportunity to work some more European countries that I haven't before of course Dayton was was canceled and so I yeah. think probably for the first time ever they had a a Dayton QSO party which was a lot of fun and I, I did that on uh, CW mm -hmm. and um, so you know COVID, there's nothing great about COVID but you got to look for opportunities and silver linings and you know that's that's been a couple of them it changed the way that I looked at soda summits you know, one of the, one of my many early failures with soda summits was not knowing how to do research and planning. You know, it, there's a lot more, there's probably equal time in hiking and activating the summit 
um, as there is in planning it, planning a successful activation. And so I really started planning hikes and locations where there'd be a minimal number of people because, um, you know, masking up on the trail and uh, seeing a lot of people is um, something that I don't want to do a lot of. So start looking for soda summits where I'm not going to run into more than a handful of people in a day. Yeah. So just more, that, you know, just kind of more the remote type or more difficult to access type yeah, soda peak. Just more, more distant, you know, King County uh, where I live here is a, is a really pretty densely populated place. And uh, everything on this side of the cascade, you know, close to me is a Snoqualmie pass. And so what that means is getting east of the pass and, and going central Washington and, and further up north into Okanagan, where the population is just a lot lower. And there's not as many people on those trails. And, and uh, um, you know, so it's, it's just in the planning, just getting further out. Mm-hmm. Are there wildlife concerns? It's just popped in my head because I asked it of another active soda ham. But do you do you have to prep for bears or anything like that or mountain lions? No, I, I you know in in the areas that I go to, cats are probably a bigger concern. I in my experience, I've never been around a bear that I thought was was uh, a huge threat to mm-hmm. me, but maybe because I don't have a lot of experience with them. Cats uh, are totally quiet. And, you know, I imagine it's going to be over before I know (laughs) (laughs) that there's a a problem. Yeah. (laughs) Well, any advice you have for people? Uh, You know, in terms of, I know a lot of people, they look at CW as something cool. Mm -hmm. Maybe they'd like to check it out. Or even... I'd really like to learn that, but I just can't seem to get into it. I can't, it doesn't seem to stick. Yeah. Uh, did you have any advice for people who are in that situation or are just even slightly interested, but not pushed enough to actually sure. practically take it on? Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm a little biased just because I went through the program, but I think the best, the best way to, in my opinion, is to get into a CW Academy class or some other group class. It doesn't have to be CW Academy, but there sure is a great program there. And uh, it's free, but the best way is to practice and get on the air. You know, there's there's a huge intimidation factor, at least there was for me, uh, in getting on and actually sending RF and, um, you know, get learning what bands to use and what frequencies to operate in. And, uh, you know, you you're all, always have a little bit of fear of I'm not good enough. You know, uh, I've got to I got to be good before I send CQ and my advice is to just, you know, get on the air and start learning. Uh, CW operators, I think, are some of the most patient people and supportive people that you'll run into. And uh, it takes a lot of courage, but send CQ or answer somebody else's CQ and make that contact. Yeah. And and I think the same goes for new hams just in general. You know, I was Mike shy, you know, with my HD and learning how to check into local nets and being unsure of what to say and, and that, and the best way to, the best way to learn is just get on the air and, you know, everybody makes mistakes. So you learn from them and, and uh, just enjoy, enjoy getting on the air and, and, you know, meet some people. Yeah, definitely. I, I remember one of my early CW experiences. This was even before I took CW ops level one. 
I just started learning CW or it may have been during that time, but I just started calling kind of lunchtime on the air from the parking lot at work, uh, calling mm-hmm. CQ and someone actually answered. I was used to just calling CQ for like, you know, maybe 10 minutes and just looking at where I landed on the RBN uh, mm-hmm. reports. Uh, but this time around, someone from Southern California replied mm-hmm. uh, at my speed. But at the same time, I was still completely like I, I didn't head copy anything really other than my call sign. And, you know, I didn't even I couldn't even tell where my signal report was in that. And I tried to reply. Um, unfortunately, for my new self, this person wanted to have a rag chew. So. He just started going on and on and I'm, I'm really not copying anything. I'm just like, I just wait for the pause and I say, you know, SRI, new ham, uh-huh. <laughs> my CW, very bad, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. but I did get his call sign. So I emailed him afterward and I said, I really apologize for that horrendous exchange I tried to copy, but I'm very new at this. And he sent one of the most encouraging QSL cards that I'd ever received. Um, I mean, he replied in the email and said, hey, just keep at it. You'll you'll do great. But the QSL card I got for him, it, it, his call sign's AB6ET. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sent me this great encouraging, he wrote it all on the back of the card, just saying, just keep at it. You did great. I understood what you were saying. Uh, just you know, keep doing it. You'll, you'll do yeah. good. And do it again. It just really set me off on the right course because I originally was like that. I was very like, I am not good enough to do this. Mm-hmm. I can't, I, I really need to learn so much more before I can actually call myself a CW operator. I, but just on a, on a whim, because he answered my, my CQ, I was able to have this half conversation with him and get a lot of encouragement. So I just want to echo that. I think CW operators out there are, are very encouraging. They, they like seeing people try and they'll definitely be very patient. I don't think I've ever been called a lid, No, no. <laughs> but it's a, uh, it's a great experience when you do meet someone who will slow down and really try and, and yeah. try to get you through, you know, the, the initial contact. Right. And the more you do, the more comfortable you get and uh, more experience. You learn more and get, you know, better at it. And, um, you know, then you're off to the races. So, yeah, I think uh, just making some noise and, you know, don't be afraid is uh, is the best way to go. Yeah, definitely. Anything else you want to mention? Well, I, I you know, want to take a, a minute to thank you, Dennis, for all of the good work that you've been doing. You know, I have enjoyed your your uh, YouTube videos. Of course, I enjoyed your camaraderie in class and, mm-hmm. and uh, with all of the, the students in there, um, you know, we had a great, a great meet there and, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a great time. But uh, I built some of the same projects that you built in your YouTube videos. Either I started a project, you know, and you helped me finish it or uh, gave me motivation for another one. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, this podcast, I found out I think probably on Twitter or something that you were doing this. And uh, of course I went and binge listened to all your podcasts all <laughs> straight through. And <laughs> that's so what very, I want uh, actually. <laughs> what's that? That's what I want actually. Yeah. I want people to discover great. it and binge listen. Just like yeah. a, 
a Netflix thing. But um, no, thank you very much. Uh, again, we were in class. You were challenging me. It's kind of like this uh, this grumbling. It's like, ah, oh, Ryan, uh, why is he so good? I got to get better, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but we well, I mean, truthfully, we all did the same thing. That's that's yeah. one of the great things about the class is that you know, sure, there were plenty of times that I either didn't have time or didn't feel like doing my homework. But I I knew that when if I didn't, I was going to be facing you and oh, no. others in the class, and and I had to look <laughs> into your face and Rob's and everybody else and say I didn't do my homework, and I you know I couldn't have that. Oh, that's so, great. You got the peer pressure aspect of the class right. as well. That's, that's uh, really pushes us forward. But thank yeah. you very much. You are an inspiration to me. I got to sign up for CW Level 3, CW Academy Level 3 <laughs> with yeah, Dan. Yeah. Get sharpen that, that last bit. See if I could possibly become a member of CW Ops. And uh, yeah, thank you for your time. I think that... Well, thanks uh, for asking me. This yeah. We've been trying to get this going for a little while now, but <laughs> I wasn't I'm, trying to be elusive. <laughs> I'm glad that we did. And uh, I just had a real quick thought too that about the whole, you know, why why I'm doing this podcast as well. Uh, there's definitely, for me, COVID has affected me in in different ways. Some ways I don't even still know yet, but. Um, I think it's awakened also a drive in me to really get in contact with people more mm-hmm. and get in contact with hams that I interact with online more. And this is kind of my expression of that. And so that's why I'm, I've been really excited to set up interviews with people, talk with them, get to know them better. Cause it's kind of like my own COVID therapy being stuck at home. You know, I, I, I'm operating about the same that I used to. I'm, I haven't been on any peaks. I haven't done any activations since this all started. And so in my effort to just get to know people better and maintain those connections, that's, that's kind of why the, this podcast came to life. So Yeah, it's great. And it, you know, it yeah. continues to build community. The ham radio is a, it's just a great place and great hobby for a lot of like-minded people to get together. And uh, I'm really encouraged by a lot of the, um, you know, there's great YouTube content, you know, there's a community being created by that. I've met a lot of great operators, super friendly people in the soda community, which, uh, you know, I did uh, work at them this morning, K6ARK in uh, California. So that was a, that's always a high point. And, uh, you know, whenever I can have repeat contacts with, with folks that I met, you know, through the hobby, it's just sort of connects us all, you know, it's just like visiting friends all the time. Yep. I don't know if it's cheating, but I do text you whenever I, I get an alert and I'm trying to make a contact with you. And sometimes (laughs) you get them, sometimes you don't. Yeah. But, um, sometimes I'm like, Hey, I'm trying for you on 40 via text and And then we try you know that you know that reminds me of something that uh, i was thinking about this morning is that we have tried and had a lot of successful qso's between you and icw and uh we were trying one night and we were both just above the noise floor just really trying to make a contact and I have 110% of my concentration in this qso just trying to not make mistakes because i'm sending to to uh, Dennis mm-hmm. 
And uh, next thing I know, I'm getting a text message from you complete with a video that you've taken of this QSO. Yeah. And not only are you, you know, I can hear myself, which is just great. Uh, you're taking a video and sending to me at the same time. Like uh. you have just tripled the complexity that <laughs> I am able to handle. Like I, I'm, I'm underwater here with this QSO right now. And you're, and here's Adam or Dennis taking a, you and your call sign. Uh, here's Dennis taking a video and texting it to me. How does yes. this work? I, I, I kind of remember this. It, you definitely need to zone out that you're holding your phone in your left hand and focus on sending. Yeah. <laughs> but I well, just, I'm like, I hope I'm in frame, but I'm not even going to think about my phone right now. I'm just trying to reach this guy. <laughs> and, and there, and there was narration along with it. Uh, yeah. Of what was going oh, on. Boy. It was getting a play by play. It was yeah. great. Yeah, that was, that's cool. Uh, I think I may have still been on my, uh, ACU 57 back then. That was probably like so. 2019 or something. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I remember that. Anyway, uh, thank you again, Ryan. Or should thank I call you, you uh, should I call you Neil since you keep calling me Adam? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just giving you a hard time. But okay. um, yeah, it's been a pleasure. And you know what would be really funny is if you were my my level three uh, instructor. Oh boy, because it kind of uh, centers around regions, right? Um, yeah, time zones more or less. Yeah, uh, that would be yeah, funny I, if me and Dan were in your class. You might have to wait a while. I'm I'm uh, the I've gone from the the beginner level, which is super fun, up to the basic, which you know before there were three levels, now there's four. So I'm in mm -hmm. I'm teaching level two now. So. Okay. So what would I take? I would take, uh, not, not three, but four. Yeah. Advanced. It's, it's, oh. uh, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Cause we, we took intermediate together in the next, uh, the oh, final. State. I thought you were bumping me down. No level inflation. So I'd have to take intermediate now. No, no. And then <laughs> no. You're, you're, you're an advanced student. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll see about it. I, I will bug Dan as well. Although he's the one who threw the gauntlet down. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> sign up, but you, you know, as you know, you've got to be ready. You got to yes. have the time. The time is the biggest thing because you, you will succeed. You know, you put in the time and you're going to learn it. Yeah, definitely. All right. I'll call it here. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Thanks, Dennis. And I'll catch you on the air. Okay. Seven, three, seven, three. Once again, you've been listening to Hamden Thoughts by AD60M. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll catch you next time.